So for those of you who are watching us live, you look like you're in the pits of hell. This is an accurate <laughs> portrayal of what this stream room feels like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also quite telling that I'm surrounded by fire and I'm wearing a shirt with a picture of the devil on it. It's not a devil. This is a character from a movie. Uh, it's an old 80s movie called Legend, which stars a very young Tom Cruise. And that's T Tim Curry plays the Lord of Darkness. It's literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Isn't that like Adam Savage's first like prop movie? I think. It might be. I think that's like one of the very first ones he's worked on. <laughs> or like M17's first like official prop movie. I think that is. It might have been. Like it's just a classic. Old I kind of miss 80s Hollywood. I in do the too. sense of like all the campy movies, all the not in all the horrible things that happened out of it. It's all the campy movies. Everything was like hand built and like they took, they like the artists came up with it on a picture that was like yay big. And then they were like, let's make this giant version of like, it. Okay, hold on, hold on. Have you ever um, seen any of the behind the scenes of like the Matrix or like. Yeah. So, you know, the doors in the final Matrix when, when the dirigible flies through like the doors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real prop. That's not CG'd. I know. And they messed up that shop three times, so they had to rebuild those doors three there, times. There are surprisingly <laughs> a lot of shots in movies that you would think are CGI, and then you come to find out, no, they, they really oh, use that's that. Why, that's why I love um, the new Blade Runner, because everyone's just like, oh, it's all CGI. And I'm like, no, it's no, not. It's, this is all practical effects. That's all practical effects. That city, they built that city. And then you got some directors that are crazy. Like, uh, did you ever watch Tenet? Yes. Christopher Nolan. Yes. So the scene where the plane crashes into the hangar. Yeah. They used an actual plane and crashed it into a real so, abandoned hangar. Do you know why? <laughs> um, what's it called? Top Gun did so well. Because all the flight scenes were real. Were real flight scenes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's not CG. Like, no, the Tom Cruise wouldn't Tom have Cruise, it any other way. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise wouldn't have it. My man has a pilot's license and he buys military heart. Uh, he buys military stock airplanes as a hobby. Yeah. That's literally like, he's like, he's like, yes, I own this. Old we have the whole movie set. Just let me shoot like, the movie. Do you have, like, like if you want to do like a World War II movie, <laughs> chances are it. Tom Cruise <laughs> has played. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that man is crazy. It's funny that we, we were talking about Tom Cruise because he's also in this movie, Legend. He's yeah. Like, this man has not aged since the 80s. Like, the only thing that's changed is like his hair. Yeah, that's but about it. The man still has the same face. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the Decode Podcast. Uh, this is uh, our our holiday special, I guess. I guess, yeah. It's the, it's uh, the episode after the Game Awards. It's the episode after the Game Awards. Uh, we're also literally a few days away from the holidays. Tunic got ripped off and so did best uh, score. Yeah, we'll talk about the Game Awards in just a little bit. Um, but uh, just to give you all a heads up for our listeners, we will be taking a sabbatical for the... Uh, holiday season as well as the new year. Um, I'll still be, be around to like stream and stuff. I'll be so. at Magfest. Yeah, oh, that's right. We, I, I, I. So I have a Magfest pass. I still don't know what these guys are doing with the room, but <laughs> just pay attention to the Discord. Uh, People throw a, rooms up there all the time. I was like, yes, I wish to stay at Magfest and be drunk for a whole weekend. I, I, I need it, please. <laughs> Magfest. Yeah. Uh. Worst case scenario, I, I I have to pass. I'll show up in some capacity. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to, um, this is a 24-hour con, right? I'm just going to stay up the whole weekend. <laughs> I mean, you can do what I do. I sleep in the land room. I probably could do that, too. <laughs> you, have to be in front, you just have to be in front of your computer. I'll just bring a computer with me. 
That sounds like an idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, we'll, 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 there won't be any podcast recordings until after MAGFest, I guess. So we'll technically be away three weeks. Yeah. Unless you do an episode from MAG. <laughs> Live from MAG. <laughs> you hear all the pinball machines? <laughs> the, the Colossus Roar just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, today's episode is going to be really simple. We're going to talk about the Game Awards, which if you joined us last week, we all watched live and we had some of our thoughts at the end of the show, but now we get to like really <laughs> dive into it on this episode here. Our thoughts got, got derailed. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, we're then going to do our own personal takes on what we felt were some of the worst games this year. What were some disappointing games this year? And then uh, our both I, Gino and myself will give our personal uh, game of the year. Um, just in time for you guys to anticipate and wait and wonder when we're going to release our game of the year 2022 video, which will be out uh, around the holiday season as well. Oh. My chair just shrank. Your, 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 your chair is like too low to the ground. There, we go. there you go. Now you're up there. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't think we've been playing much. I can't. I don't think Vampire I Survivor on the phone. I did. Oh, I, 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 I did get um the Crisis Core remake. How was that? It was pretty good. I forgot how short that game was. I mean, it's a PSP game. I know. I just. I, I Did remember, they change any of the story, do you think, to fit the new... No, this is literally just a straight okay, remake good. of good. the PSP game. They did not do anything to tie it into uh, FF7 remake. I want a remake of Dirge of Cerebus. No, please stop. They, gi- they gave us Crisis Core. But, but Crisis Core was deserved because the only way you could play the game was on PSP. Good luck finding a PSP. You can still find a PS2 and still find Dirge of Cerebus. Actually, I have a hard time finding Dirge of Cerebus nowadays. Oh, I just... You want to borrow my copy? (laughs) (laughs) Dirge of Cerebus is my favorite game out of all of those games. That's terrible. I'm not... It's actually my favorite Final Fantasy game. All right, that's uh, that's it for today. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. wait. We've got over this. We've got over my list. Eight is my number one favorite game. I don't know how. Nine. Dirge of Cerebus. Tactics. Uh, tactics I can respect. Crystal Chronicle. But eight? Yes, eight. eight. <laughs> Dirge with modern controls? Maybe? I don't know. That game's design was really weird. That game was supposed to be... I think that game was supposed to be Paradise... Par- uh, what's it called? Paradise Eve 2. We did get a Parasite Eve 2. In the third game. <laughs> we did get one. It was the, the third birthday. That was on... Oh, yeah, that's right. I think that was on Vita. Yeah. Yeah, that game didn't do too well. That game didn't do <laughs> uh, everyone keeps asking like, for Square Enix to bring it back. Uh, they actually can't. They lost the rights to Parasite Eve. Um, yeah, because the owner of the book got angry. <laughs> yeah. He was like, your games are terrible. I'm taking this back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Crisis Core Reunion is pretty interesting. Um, I want a remake of The Bouncer. <laughs> you might get that because of Kingdom Hearts 4. Uh, yeah, right. Pretty soon they're just gonna be like, "Yeah, the bounce is part of the Kingdom Hearts universe." I, <laughs> I know. I <laughs> told you my theory that I Kingdom Hearts Four takes place 
because I played through, I had to suffer through the, the music game. And they're like, yeah, this is the fake world. We're going to send you to, we, he got sent to the real world. Like, what? What? No. <laughs> Third birthday was PSP? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it didn't do well. Yeah. Uh, it also I mean, wasn't like super. Most like, games on the PSP didn't do well. Uh, some of them did, actually. But, Metal Gear Solid games did well. Yeah, Peace Walker. So well that it got remade for the DS. Peace Walker was on? No. One of them was on the DS. No, the only one that ever made it to a Nintendo system was the one known as Ghost Babel. And that's not even like part of any other canon. It's like a whole alternate universe side story thing. That's oh, no, it got set to the PS3. HD. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was the yeah. HD upgrade. Um, And 360. Yeah. I think there was a Snake Eater. Yeah, there was a Snake Eater. Yes. Okay, so Snake Eater was the one that I'm... That was also a weird port. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, anyway, yeah, so Crisis Core remake. Pretty good game. Uh, again, I just, like, I forgot how short it was. Like, I played it for, like, five hours each time. And on the second time when I was like, I'm at the end already? The heck is this? It also doesn't help that uh, you can break the game. You can break the game essentially because they give you some of like the higher end missions. So by the third mission, I had Ultima. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, okay, I have one of the most powerful spells in the game. I'm just going to cast it every single time at bosses. Yep. And yeah, it's a pretty easy game. Yep. Uh, that's about it. Outside of that, I've actually been replaying. It wasn't 60. It was actually uh, 45. Oh, that's perfect then. Never mind. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, it's More like, games. I think, I think it's actually like 50. More games. <laughs> More games listed at 45. Yeah, like a port, I think, should be that much, you know. But then you get stuff like Need for Speed Unbound, which is $70. Yeah, I don't like this, the rise of the $70 game. I don't either. Right? And I, I, I hope that more studios don't might, do that. I might go back to pir uh, privateering. <laughs> yes, we are toasty. It's, 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 it's to mimic how we feel inside the stream room. Yes. Um, um, no, yeah, like, it's... I don't like this, and I don't like the fact that Sony and Activision are the ones who are pushing for it. Well, EA puts out Unbound... Yeah, because they're following Sony and Activision. Yeah. And the games sell, they're going to keep doing it. But a lot yeah. of those times, if you've been seeing like a lot more of the lower price games sell more, though. So yeah. I think they're going to, I think on certain titles, certain, okay, gonna certain put, blockbuster like title, yeah. The fine. $70 thing on those titles. Yeah. And then like on the Demon ones Souls that, did not deserve to be 70 Like, what am I paying for Demon Souls? I mean, it was rebuilt from the ground up. So yeah, but you can still get that at, at 60 Probably. Yeah. But that, we've, that, we've had games <laughs> rebuilt from the ground up for 60. I know. I just feel like they're just like, let's see if we can get away with it. Because they're not doing it on every game. Yeah, and that, that's the part that's driving me nuts, actually. I know. Because it's, I'm it's, sitting here, I'm just like, the original jump from the $40 game, the $49.99, to the $59.99, was because everyone had to pay a fee for HD. To be able to use the term HD, you had to pay a licensing fee. Right. That doesn't exist for 4K. No. It, it just is. 
just <laughs> is. So I don't understand where the 70, like. It's because people are demanding higher salaries. It's literally what it is. No, I, I don't think it's people are demanding higher salaries. I think it's, I think it's investors just want more money for. for it's probably for, a lot of things. It's, yeah. It's probably both of that. Probably. Plus other things. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, like a sixty nine ninety nine for a video game is kind of like, oh God, why? Um, Especially if one's not good. I mean, if speed isn't bad. I just no, I'm not talking I, about I'm not talking I about have, like, I'm I just have no been, so like my thing with Need for Speed I have on, some regrets for like some for some seventy dollar video yeah, games. So like my thing with Need for Speed Unbound is the campaign was fine, the game's fun to play. I just have no desire to play it online. Like mm. just don't. So like I feel like that was seventy dollars that could have been something else. Especially for a game like I love the campaign. I think yeah. the campaign's amazing. The racing in the game is as good as most wanted underground, like it's yeah. up there. It's in that echelon, echelon yeah. of good Need for Speed games. Um, I just don't have the desire to like keep playing online and making bets with online racers and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. do any of that. I'm done with the game. Yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think my biggest my biggest complaint right now about the seventy dollar game is like Call of Duty should not be a seventy dollar game. Uh, Call of Duty, I, I I feel at some point they're just gonna make Call of Duty free to play. And then you're just going to pay for like... That's what they have now. That's what Warzone that's is. That's what Warzone is. And then I, I feel like they're just... Paying $70 for a campaign that we copy-pasted. They sold us the same campaign twice. This is the third time they're selling Modern Warfare 2's campaign to us. So, remember, this Modern Warfare series is a reboot. They're not the same campaigns. No, they're not the same campaign. It's literally a completely different story. It just has the same characters from... The previous Modern Warfare game. So it has ghosts, it has soap, and it has Captain Price and all that stuff. It's just a whole new story. They have sold me the same story three times. They rebooted the story <laughs> and decided to charge you for it. That's what they did. <laughs> oh, act. Anyways, the Game Awards was last week, and uh, we didn't really get to really talk about the show on its own at the end of it all. So we're going to take some time to do that now. Uh, what we liked, what we didn't like from the Game Awards. Sped run. They sped run through too many categories, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that I, I dislike. I'm like, if you're trying to have it be this, like, respectable... Like, the eSports Awards, I think, like, I understand there's the eSport, like, actual award. Right. Like, show, that that's separate and a thing like that. Then just don't include it. Mm-hmm. Just don't include it. Like, oh, best eSport event. You're always going to choose League of Legends. Yeah, I think some of the awards are redundant and we can do without. Yeah. Um, but especially if you're trying to do this whole, like, live presentation. Of gaming. Of gaming. You shouldn't. With like, ads. With ads, by the way. You shouldn't speed run through some of them, especially when those people are there in yeah. the audience. Like, um, for best... Uh, what was I think one of the best streamer? Yeah, or whatever. Like that, he was Liquid there. was there. Yeah, Liquid was there. Like, why doesn't he did get you, to go up and like say thank you? Speaking of him, speaking of him, did you watch the mogul chess boxing? No, I did not know that this was a sport that's existed since the seventies, where you play a round of chess and then you box for a round and then go back to playing chess. And he had a bunch of streamers. I watched the Sky's Toast get his. Face 
punched multiple times. It was glorious. Watch it. It's one of the greatest things ever. There were some slugfests in there. Mythic, the next like two days after the event, Mythic has just been saying, it's like, I actually kind of want to just go into boxing now. <laughs> it, that sounds it, great. It was absolutely incredible. I'm sitting here, I was like, wait, Ludwig convinced a bunch of streamers to play chess and box? This is great. This is absolutely incredible. I should do that. And then I watched, uh, what's his name? Uh, then I watched Ludwig at the end. Have a have a slap chess fight where it's like play around the chess, then each person slaps each other. Like competitive slapping. Which is being brought to like actual syndicated programming. Yes. By Dana White, which is obviously he would do that. Yeah. <laughs> you would you would enjoy like I'm gonna link you the live stream. You're gonna sit there and watch this and be like, wait, this is actually fun to watch. I would watch that. That is the girls match. Was just straight, like, we watched a few matches, and I'm like, okay, the guys gave up, or like, okay, TKO, things like that, okay. Girls match. Oh, these two girls are, these two girls are going at each other, what the hell? Yo, women, women be feisty, man. <laughs> like, they're they, just, they, they're they, slugging they, each other in the face. They will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with the ladies. They will kill you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the whole speed run. Yes, Sea Dog VA participated in it, and he was the one who slapped Ludwig so hard. Next day, Ludwig tweets, "I think Sea Dog, you gave me a concussion." <laughs> 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 like everyone went, "Ooh." <laughs> um, but yeah, like the whole speed run nature of the game awards kind of like threw me off for a bit. Like I love that, like. It's and then a, it, it like, felt off. The timings felt off because you could tell, like, oh no, we have to do something that that add for time. It's not even add for that. They were trying to subtract from time. I know because you had Al Pacino showing up at the beginning of the show, looking like a lost grandfather on the stage, and then Christopher Judge comes out and gives a very heartfelt speech. Yeah, that. Maybe like it can be debated on whether or not it went on too long, nah, but I, I think, think it was fine. I think it was fine personally because the role really, really they accounted meant for that. that much. I think they accounted for I'm sure it. they did. They won hundred percent because they knew that he would speak for a while. Yeah. Uh I also think like for him it was just how serious he took the role. Yeah. Um. Because he did say, like, going into God of War, you know, and doing the script and playing the character as Kratos, it made him realize his misgivings as a parent and as a father. That Ooh. it totally changed how he Parents. was with his own children. So obviously, the role meant that much to him, and him giving that speech about what the role meant to him. Uh, I think we could have just let him give that speech. You know, the Game Awards, I think, failed him in that aspect. Yep. Um, but again, we would need like an academy. We would. We would need an academy because everyone's like, yeah, well, we have to fill the time with advertisements for new games coming out. Okay. That's fine. You can still do that. But like to tell them to make their trailer short. Exactly. <laughs> half those trailers, I'm like, cool. You could have made this shorter. You could have made it a lot shorter. There's no reason why Diablo 4 needed a musical presentation and a full length like CGI Almost you know why? Do you know why they had that? Because Activision Blizzard paid Jeff Keighley a lot of money. Because Activision Blizzard is also technically on the board. Well, yeah, that too. But they also paid Jeff Keighley a lot of money. Yeah, too much money. 
Um, I'm trying to think what else I, I, I love that we actually have something that treats gaming seriously. A yeah. little bit, you know. I think it, the BAFTA it, 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 does it better. Of course, the BAFTA and Dice Awards do it yeah. a thousand times better. Uh, I just like, but they're not live. Like, yeah, I mean, I, know. What, I think I think the Dice Awards are streamed. Right? The yeah. Dice Awards have started to be streamed. Yeah. Um. So I like that we have more of that representation. Like, hey, gaming is this thing that can I be want, taken serious. I just, I it still feels very. Spike TV presents the Game Awards. Today. Yeah, but it's 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 a lot less like cheesy in that aspect because it, no, no, it's still like like it's, I'm saying it's not the cheese, but it still feels like it still has that. I don't know what the what it what the term is that I want to use. Okay, it's okay. like um, it has this like weird. Not stigma, but like it has this, I think it's like this weird aura of like broiness and all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it still feels like a gamer bro. Yeah, uh, it really does feel like it because, like, if you look at the Oscars, they're not sitting in a theater. Mm -hmm. They're sitting at tables. They're having dinner. Yeah, they're having drinks. They're being served stuff, and it's like, yeah, this is a event this is a celebratory event the game awards doesn't seem like yeah it doesn't feel like that celebration a yeah. celebration it just, it's like it's like it's almost there but it's oh, not it's like they kind of need to turn it into like a dinner in a way right but then that would mean they would have to have like a lot more of the industry show up yeah exactly and a lot less of like public because remember, the Game Awards are live and they're open to the public. So, like, you can... I mean, after this year, I don't think they'll be... Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> after, uh, our, after our Orthodox rabbi... <laughs> reformed Orthodox rabbi Bill Clinton decided to date to stage, uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot less of... So uh, then make it that way. Make it for I, I hope they do. I think they should make it for industry. I think it should be entirely 100% industry. And the thing... Then we have to run into the issue. Do streamers and influencers count as industry? And I think, yeah. Yeah. Get if the, you're partnered, if, if you're, you're everything. If you're partnered and I, I think it's allowed to be a little judicious in whether or not you're a positive factor in the community. Yeah. Like, I see no reason why someone like, you know, have Mr. Beast at the show. Like, Jay Hobbs. Yeah. From <laughs> just the entire team of Games Done Quick. Yeah. Should technically. Everyone who runs that show, they should be there. Yeah. So I, I I can see that happening. Maybe it'll go it'll go towards that. Yeah, and I um, I think that would be a little nicer actually. Yeah, because you could see them interacting with each other. Things like that. it feels more like an actual gaming community comes together kind of show. Right. To this, this just feels like the gaming publisher overlords are telling, are telling you guys you, are giving you hey, some awards. Get get a now little, buy our new games coming out yeah, next year. Here's some awards for games that you got you bought from us. us. And now here's some more games that we're going to come out with later on. And uh, I was happy to see some of the titles. I'm not going to lie. You know, I got the, Armored an Core. Announcing Death Stranding 2. I got Armored Core. We got Armored Core 6. <laughs> um, you know what that means, right? Everyone's going to look at From Software. Be like, wait, they're doing Armored Core now. That means every developer is going to want a giant robot game. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel happy about that. 
I like giant robots. I do too. Chicks I just, dig giant robots. Chicks dig. <laughs> <laughs> you dig <laughs> robots. Uh, um, I think though, like some of the awards, I think best music is is interesting. I always like best music, and I think that's great how they do it. I think game of the year, though, personally, like the actual game of the year award. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I read something online. I, I I saw some people in a forum discussing this. I think we gaming has evolved a bit past that right well in its current current iteration because mm-hmm. if you think about look at the oscars the best picture award they try to stay within the same genre if you think about it right in terms of how the pictures look and things like that and they looked at what is truly the mastery of the craft and things like that yeah for um, gaming for the best game for game of the year Sometimes it's just, it feels like, oh, the game that we want to push because it's. I think a lot of it is also like, sometimes if you look at how the Game Awards has done it, at least sometimes it's been the game that's had like some type of deep emotional impact or it's a game that elevated the way you play that particular style of game. Like, for instance, last year they gave it to It Takes Two, which a lot of people disagreed with, but I understood. I understood. And the reason why I, I understood, uh, and I respected that decision, um, even though we didn't, us personally here at D, we didn't give it to It Takes Two. It was actually just an honorable mention yeah. uh, on our last year's video. But I understood why the Game Awards did it. And the reason why they did it that way is because it was a game that changed how you play with other people. Yep. You know, in terms of the co-op experience and yep. whatnot. And watching people play through the game this year because of the because a lot of people didn't know about the game until right. the game of the year awards. A lot of people were like, oh, this is an unknown game. This is an unknown game. And I'm sitting here watching. I watched that game. I've seen people play that game. You sit there and you're like, oh my God. I saw someone ended up realizing that they worked through their entire childhood through trauma. Yeah. Because of that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like. You're murdering a plush elephant. Yes. Uh, oh man, that scene is that scene is ooh. pretty rough. It's it funny. I love that it's a combination of funny humor and also like dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's dark humor. <laughs> it's like oh, um, but that's that's why it is. That's why this year I was like, I thought Elden Ring was a good game. It's a good. Game. I don't think it was. I, I don't think it. This is the one time where I'm like, like Sekiro. When Sekiro won the year that it did, it's just another one. Where I'm like, no, you know what? I don't. I don't feel that there was, was also a game. nothing. That well, no, it was Death Stranding that year. Yeah, maybe no. Death Stranding was the, it takes two year. No, it wasn't. It was the year before. Yeah. yeah it was the year so before. you had it was Death Stranding. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else. What else was out there? Resident Evil Two was out that year. Yeah. The remake. Yeah. So like, there were definitely other more. Uh, capable games that probably should have won that year. I kind of feel like this year was tough because there wasn't that a, a lot that came out. But once the games actually started coming out, especially the, from the indie scene, because we got to see a lot more indie representation. What we saw from year. the indie representation actually made me happy because I sat there and I was like, look, they just proved that you don't need the AAA games. No, you don't. And that's one of the things I think was missing from this year's Game Awards. Yeah, there was no real... Uh, there was no real appreciation for the indie titles that came out the year. Yeah. Sure, 
Tunic got nominated for things. Sure, Stray won for Best Indie Debut. Yeah. But, like, nothing else was featured. Like, you know, like, they didn't really talk about how much the indies stepped out this year. Especially this year, more than ever. Like, Vampire Survivors? You had Vampire Survivors. You had Tunic. You had Stray. You had, uh, I mean, a Plague Tale Requiem's debatable because that's more double-A. And they obviously... And that's not- the thing that I also... the. Uh- that's the other thing that I have also wanted to see. Like, I want more double A games to be nominated for things. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a lot of double A games. Nothing. So <laughs> Vampire yes, Survivors yes, was robbed. Uh yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like they definitely got the short end of the stick when it came to the indie thing. Um so that's another thing. I think uh a little bit more respect towards the indie developer side of gaming is something that we should pay more attention to yeah uh especially with something like the game awards if you're gonna acknowledge all types like of we gaming. had lost ark drop this year and in, in, for the rest of the world yeah, but like no one that's really. a diablo club like but yeah. it, it it scratched an itch that people want actually what's funny about that game everyone complains about loot boxes right right the lost ark community complains that they don't get enough loot boxes yes they, they want, want more. more. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Because they, they want rewards. <laughs> they want rewards for their playing. Um, so yeah, the whole like, I really want to know what the process is for the game awards on how they pick it. Because it feels like they're just looking at like, they try to do the balance of, they try to, it, here's the game that pushed the envelope. And then it's also like, this game sold really well. This game had, giant community around it whatever blah 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 blah. um so in a way like especially considering how the game awards thinks um i do feel like god of war ragnarok was essentially robbed and the reason why i feel it was robbed is how does a game literally have a monopoly on most of the rewards out of the six awards that both god of war and elden ring were nominated for out of six elden ring only won one which it won for best art direction and God of War won four of those, including innovation and accessibility, narrative. That one I have. That one I have actually. No, but like in terms I, of yeah, innovation, yeah, yeah. it's like the gameplay stuff too. Um, it's not just like the I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That no, I'm saying that's an award I have an issue with. I know. I don't think that should be a combined category. Of course, it shouldn't. But I know. Yeah, it is. Um, so they won for innovation and accessibility, best narrative, uh, best action adventure. I think it also won for. And Christopher Judge got an award for best presentation. Now, of those, three of those are things that are integral to what makes a game. And if God of War Ragnarok is good enough to win innovation and is good enough to win narrative and is good enough to win um, action adventure, which is a style of game, how does it then not win game of the year? This is the one year where one game literally was like sweeping up the awards, but doesn't win the big one. And that didn't make sense to me. And then everyone's like, oh, they probably did the same thing in the other years. Like, no, if you look at the other years, years, different games, different games won a lot of different awards. Especially last year, you had a, there were like several different titles. No one game walked away with multiple awards. Several different titles won in individual categories. This was the first year where God of War was literally like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But doesn't win game of the year, and that didn't make sense to me. It bet it won best. So God of War won best score music, mm-hmm. best audio design, best narrative. It lost best game direction. Right. 
Because that, that went to uh, Elden Ring. Yeah. It's just, it drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. Anyway, it won awards that were very emblematic of what goes into making a game. And I'm just like, how do you give it all these awards that make it going into a game, but not give it game of the year? Like, that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, maybe they didn't want to give like the same a sequel to a game, have it win twice over. Didn't, I don't know. Didn't but. the Godfather one and then the Godfather two and the Godfather three all win Best Picture when they came out? To my knowledge, I know one and two won Best Picture. Yeah. Like the years they came Congratulations. out. Congratulations. Um, you can do that. You can. There's nothing I think wrong. part. I think part of it also is because like, unlike like this is why I say maybe we do need an Academy of yes, games. we do. That should not be tied to specific publishers, but maybe to specific devs. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm talking about, oh, Harada, like, um, I just, like, Miyamoto, like, you grab specific devs. You grab the ones that know, like, like have they, game design. Uh, they have, the, like, these are the people who have always been in gaming. They, they grew up with it. You can even grab some of the original Doom devs, things like that. Right. People like that. Set up an academy that's not financially tied to pushing out. Because remember, Activision Blizzard, the reason why Sekiro won was Activision Blizzard's on the board that makes a decision. Of course. From Software is also on that board. Mm -hmm. All these publishers are on that board. So they're going to, yeah, they're going to swing at each other like this. And I think that's what it was. I think Sony just probably didn't fight hard enough, <laughs> which is really dumb. Because they had two games nominated for Game of the Year. Yes, they had Horizon and God yeah. of Poor Horizon. <laughs> I feel sorry for those guys sometimes. I feel so bad for that dev because it's like the first game, hey, we lost to like Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah. Then we launched. It's like, okay, we won't make the same mistake. Elden Ring. Damn it. <laughs> Rip Horizon. <laughs> um... I will say that I think the best thing of the Game Awards... Flute guy. Flute guy. Pedro Eustace is a legend in the music community. This man has been around for, I think, almost 40 years working on various movie soundtracks. Um, he's done... On, he tours a lot with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, he's worked a lot on Hans Zimmer scored movies as well. Um, most recently he's her, invented new instruments for those he's, movies he's literally invented instruments um, if if you want to know how awesome this guy's music is uh, he was most recent his most recent soundtrack that he did work on was actually the Black Panther Wakanda Forever soundtrack um, and the fact that he tours with Hans Zimmer alone uh, should tell you how amazing this man's work is um, he was jamming during that whole uh, music sequence when the game the game awards orchestra was playing, yeah. and the camera caught him a few times, and you could just tell he was into it because he's just like bobbing, his hair's going everywhere, and he's playing the flute like his life depended on it. And he play and not only just one flute, he switched between like I think three or four, three or uh, four. different variants for each of the pieces that he was playing. Um, you know, he pulled out the Shinobu for Xenoblade Chronicles and went crazy. On that flute section, um, the other, I forget the name of it, but the other one he pulled off of Elden Ring, that, that curved flute yeah. one, 
And he was just like, ah, I just, I love when he did like that fist pump during the transition between all the ring and the God of War Ragnarok. I was like, yo, this man loves what he does. Yep. Pedro Eustace, you are a treasure, sir. And I love you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was definitely the, the highlight. I, I love seeing all the tweets that popped up about him. Uh, there's a ton of YouTube shorts of reactions. Uh, my favorite one is guys like um, th- during that same fist bump sequence. Uh, the guy watching is like, "Yo, that guy's my hero!" And I'm I'm just cracking up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing what like someone's just presence and behavior can do to you, uh, especially when you know that they're enjoying something. Especially the way. All the devs went to go take photos with him, which is even funnier. Yeah. Like at the after party. I kind of wish the after party was streamed <laughs> as well. Like there's no red carpet scene. There's no nothing. There's, there's nothing. Yeah. I want that. It's like if you're going to be gaming's biggest party, you kind of have to show that it's gaming's biggest party. Yes. Anyway, I think that's uh, that's enough uh, takes on the game awards. Let's talk about some of the games that upset us this year. Was there anything that you feel was like some of the worst things that you you bought or played, and you were like, "I this, have this game a little bit." Uh, no, no, <laughs> I have buyer's regret on Elden Ring a little bit. Really, a little bit. Okay, because here's the thing: once I played through the game, once I played it, I had no desire to actually replay it. Okay, that's fair. Like I didn't have a desire to go back to it, and that was the first time, like for. Like kind of like a Souls game for mm-hmm. me. It's like, yeah, I did everything that had to be done, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Like it was just one of those one and does. And not saying that's a bad thing. It just kind of surprised me. It just made me feel like, okay, I saw everything I needed to see, did everything I needed to do. <laughs> At least in terms of what you felt you needed to do. Yeah. So for me, like I only replayed it because I was like, oh, there's bosses that I've seen on streams. I'm like, I didn't fight that guy. And then it's like, okay, let me go try and figure out where that guy's yeah. at. You know, so that's why I like replay. I didn't I only played through it. Like, I think it's just because I, I couldn't get into the world. So I genuinely just couldn't like unlike um Bloodborne? Bloodborne. <laughs> which just dropped me with so much lore. And even Dark Souls, one, two, and three. Yeah. Like they drop you with lore in such great ways. This world, I just sat here, I'm like, I feel nothing for these people. Mm-hmm. I feel like in Dark Souls, even for like the quote unquote villain. Right. Yeah, you could feel for him. But it's like, okay, you were put in a really, it was a lose lose situation. And this one, I sit here, I'm like, no, you're all, you all got what you deserve because you're all greedy. Yeah. Like I have no. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I get what you mean. Cause like playing through Bloodborne, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with like the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. You're through. Uh, playing through Bloodborne, being stuck in like this really dark and dreary Castlevania-esque areas for all the areas that you go through in that yeah. game, um, you kind of immerse it immerses you a little bit better, uh, and that's one of the things I felt was missing from when I played Elden Ring. Like I love the game; I think it was great. I love the fact that Dark Souls can work in an open world environment. Yeah, and that's fine. But I didn't feel as immersed in the game as I did when I played something like Bloodborne, and even enough, ironically enough. When I played something like Sekiro, even though I didn't like Sekiro, the world I felt more immersed in the world. world. Yes. Um, and I felt like that was something that Elden Ring was missing. Like, yes, there was lore that told you about things, but I didn't feel it. You, yeah. I, it was like it was told to me, and I was just like, okay. Okay. But like playing through the, the stuff this in Sekiro and hearing about like uh this 
lord that slept with like 80 women and then the souls came from hell and invention and that's why he's a demon i'm like that's yeah cool that's cool you know and then it's like okay well like the best ones in elden ring were like i think there's only two or three stories that are really good you had um uh star star scourge uh yeah garan his story is great but he's the only one that has like a really great story like everybody else is kind of like yeah um bad guy yeah yeah. Like he's tied into Millennia and Millennia has her own story. story. And it's like like Millennia story is great, I feel like. Things yeah. like that. And I'm just like, cool, those are great. What Elden Ring honestly felt like to me was they had a story. Mm-hmm. It felt like three games, it wanted to be three different games. Mm-hmm. Like there were three different stories they wanted to tell. Right. And these would have been like it would have been another like trilogy kind of thing. Yeah, I can Because I sit here, I'm like, yeah, this is a kingdom. The people aren't the people are still technically here, but you never see them. Like this is still a living, breathing world. Yeah. There's supposed to be like people here. And it's just like, <laughs> where are these people if this is supposed to be a functioning, even though it's the idea of like, oh yeah, the king is dead, but we can't tell anyone. So would you say that it's a bad game or were you just disappointed with it? I was disappointed. I okay. wouldn't say it's a bad game. I personally was disappointed. Mm. Because I felt that it wasn't worth the seven. Well, actually, I paid for the collector's edition. Yeah, so, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> like the stuff for the collector's edition was fine, but mm. like if I was just buying the base game, I was like, no, this is really a sixty dollars game for me, not the seventy dollars price yeah. tag. It's a buyer's remorse thing for sure. Uh, so the, my worst game is also a bit of buyer's remorse. Uh, it's also because the game was just absolute trash, and that was Babylon's Fall. Okay. Because <laughs> that game was just bad. Like, how do you... I have a game I regret downloading that just released on that Games Pass, which is funny that yeah. you mentioned that game. But I'm going I'm to talk about Babylon's Fall and why it's literally the one of the worst games of 2022. And it's because I played Destiny. Uh, you guys all know this. I love Destiny. It's a live service game that... Which I, one is worse? Hold on, hold on. Which one is worse then? Anthem? Or Babylon's Fall. So Babylon's Fall makes Anthem look like Legend of Zelda, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Babylon's Fall was just atrocious to play. And I, I, I can't stand it when live service games, for lack of a better term, or these online games that want to be like MMOs, um, I can't fathom the fact that you can look at the easily the successful ones. Warframe is pretty successful. Destiny is successful. You can look at World of Warcraft, Guild Wars, and you can even look at Online, Division. And the Division, for lack of a better choice. Remember, the Division's a good game. It's just not supported. Yeah. <laughs> um, you look at all these things and how they operate in terms of their loot and their leveling up system and how they operate their mission structures and, and things like it. that. And combat. You just do that. And Babylon's Fall didn't do that. The, the, I'll be honest with you. I think Babylon's Fall was meant to be a single player game. And then whoever paid Platinum Games to make the game was it Square Enix? Well, Square Enix pu- uh, published it. Yeah, okay. So I think it was a game that, that they were working on internally to be a single-player game. Mm-hmm. And Square Enix failing came with along was like, make, live that, make that live service. And Platinum was like, no, we don't want to do that. We, we want, we want his to money. Do- okay. And that's really what it feels like a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, granted, there's rumors that Platinum Games mismanages projects all the time. And they do. Like that, which is true. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah. Yeah, they do. 
But also, like, people forget that Platinum Games is not a very successful studio. No. They're like, but they have successful games. I'm like, no. Specific developers have successful games. Mm-hmm. PG Kamiya has successful games. <laughs> and then Capcom fired him. <laughs> um, no, but like, seriously. It's, I agree with you. Yeah, Babylon's Hall is terrible. Um, I would say a game that got ignored and shouldn't have been ignored. Final Fantasy. The the expansion? No, the um the cringy one. Strangers of Paradise. Strangers of Paradise. What about it? I played through it recently. Okay. You know what? I I, I it knows what it is. Yeah. And you know what? It deserves an award for that. Yeah, it's it presented itself. It's like, listen, I'm a game from when you were in eighth grade. Yes. I, I said it myself. I, I, <laughs> did, I don't think I did. A, I don't think I ever. You wrote the review. You never finished it. I never it. finished it. That's right. And you never published it. I know it. what I wanted to say was like, this is one of the best bad games ever made. And it's perfectly fine. And that's exactly because it's, it's a good bad game. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this is coming from a guy who loves Bullet Rich. I unironically so love Bullet Rich. Recently, okay? <laughs> recently I'm going to put this. I'm going to put this only because. And I recently played it because I have was a, given a choice. The other day. Mm. Gungrave Gore. Okay. Or Strangers of Paradise. And you went with Strangers of Paradise? Nope, I went with Gungrave Gore. Made it through like half the game because it was the ported version that's up and everything. Okay. And I sat here and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> this I'm like, I can't do this. This game has so much cheese. And it, it's so bad. Gungrave Gore is pretty bad. I, I love it, and but it's also bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but then I went to Strangers in Paradise and I'm like, see, this has like, it knows it's edgy. Yeah. So it's not trying. Nope. Gungrave Gore is trying. Yeah. So it comes inauthentic. But Str- Strangers of Paradise knew what it was from... The, the get-go. Get-go. From, it, from its inception, it was like, hey. We're a retelling of the first Final Fantasy game with Edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's for all of us who grew up in this era, it was of like Lincoln hey, Park. Do you remember when Lincoln Park used Would be to be on anime? On every AM anime music video <laughs> ever made in the 90s? Yeah. This game is for you. And you have to be someone alive. Who in your teenage years, during that time frame, you will never appreciate this game. <laughs> so literally, anyone who was alive during that time period and plays games, go play Strangers of Paradise. I think I put you it on my I, I put on my Facebook. I linked the uh, the Evanescence. Yes, that was they did an AMV yes. of the scenes from Strangers of Paradise to Evanescence's "Bring Me to Life," and I'm like, and it, "This is the game. This, this is, is the game in its entirety." That's a game that I feel like everyone should go back to play. Tunic is one of those. Um, well, we're talking about like the worst games. The worst played. game that because I have one, and it's I'm even surprised that it got like published this year. <laughs> Because I was like, how does this exist? And then I played and I'm like, this is awful. Then again, all the games in this series are awful. So I don't know if you know this, but Postal 4 actually came out this year. I got the notification for it. I played it. This game is awful. Like 
if I was to give it a score, it's like a negative one out of ten. Like, I don't know how this game got made. Because <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. I would rather play a Gilson B. Pontus game than oh my play God. Postal 4, okay? <laughs> but it's better than Postal 3 by default, right? I think if your game has a loading screen and that's all it is, it's better than Postal 3. <laughs> but Postal 4... It's an improvement, technically. Uh, no. <laughs> Postal 4 is bad, and it's going to get my own personal worst game of 2022. Uh, what, came, what else came out? I, 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 I unironically play these games because I like to see like how edgy and cringe they are. Like That's, that, that's what the Postal games are. They're not great games. No, they've never been great but games. Like, Postal it's 1 like and 2 movie. were at least playable and funny. It's like that movie that has Garbage Day in it. <laughs> 80s movies. None of them are really good. It's no, they're, they're just campy and fun. There's campy and fun, but this is like just bad. Like it's just, just not. There's no redeeming quality to buying Postal Four. There just isn't. But I did it for the lols, and I regretted it. Unironically, though, <laughs> uh, for me, I think it was the pirate game that I picked up. And I can't technically say the name because Mario would, would have a conniption. It's the one with the seal whose head looks like a thing. It's on the Switch. H-Pirates. That's all you guys are getting. Oh. <laughs> so bad. That game deserves to be placed back on the Vita. Because it worked with the back touching. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an adult game. It's an adult game. <laughs> about pirates. Uh, um, were there any disappointments? that you had this year like games that you were like this should have been good and then you play and you're like man it's not as good as I wanted it to be or like as good as it should be the expansion to Elden Elder Scrolls Online I was so hyped for it and then I as I was going through the story I just unsubscribed from the game <laughs> and the reason why everything about that scene <laughs> Um, the, um, the reason why was because I sat there was like, this could have been Elder Scrolls six. Okay. This really could have been because you, 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 you go to where the, uh, what, what are they called? The elves that the Imperials, mm -hmm. you go to their Island to bring about a revolution. And that could have been its own game. That literally could have been in its own Elder Scrolls game. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was such a disappointment. It's like, we're going to tie this to a lives to an MMO. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, why? Um, what else? Uh, Nintendo games this year. I was actually kind of disappointed in a few. I would say I was, yeah, I was a little disappointed in Splatoon 3. I was too, you know, for some, it, it not, not because it's not a good game or anything. It just feels like Splatoon 2.5. Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with that one. Like Splatoon like 3 was Like the story kind of like, could have been a continuation from Splatoon 2. In all Splatoon honesty. 3, I think, honestly, could have just been a DLC. Yeah. It I really, think it probably was a DLC that just spun out. They just were like, let's make money with this. Make it a full game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have disappointment on a game that hasn't come out yet. How are you disappointed with something that hasn't come out yet? Fire Emblem. Oh, because they already announced DLC before <laughs> yes. the game actually came out? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I hate when, game, I hate when companies do that. 
That's definitely something to be upset about. Yeah. There are two games for me personally that I was disappointed. I didn't have high expectations. I was just like, just be good. It's not and hard. Then, and it's like, it's not hard to be a good game. Like, just function. Is Sonic one of them? Sonic Frontiers is definitely one of those games that disappointed the crap out of me because there is potential in Sonic Frontiers. And these are developers who can clearly achieve that potential because they've done it in several other games. And the way they did, went about doing it in Sonic Frontiers felt so like backwards. half-hearted and backwards. And it's like the, the way they did level design, I literally feel like they took a bucket full of Legos, tossed it in the air, and wherever it landed, they were like, this is the world. And yeah. I'm like, no, have it make sense. Like, Listen, you know why I wasn't disappointed in that game? Why? Because it was just another version of Ikaruga. Only the last boss is that. No, some of the other shooty parts when you're in the ship. Ikaruga. I literally sat there because I literally watched my friend play it. I sat there. I was like, this level looks really familiar. <laughs> then I went home, looked at, looked at my Dreamcast. And I'm like, there's no way. Then, Loaded up the specific <laughs> level. put them. I'm like, they copied the Ikaruga level. They copied Ikaruga. Uh, the other reason why it's a disappointment is... When games so much lore, not only that, but when games try to use when games use nostalgia, period, yeah, it goes one of two ways. It either makes you fond and th- makes you think back of like, oh, I remember where this, this is cool. I'm like, I like that they do it. And then there are times where it's like, this is the only good thing they put in the game, and it sucks. And that's how I felt about like the classic stages that you can run through, yeah. like in Sonic, that like you can speed run and whatever. I'm like. This is the best thing you've put in this game. And they're all terrible. And then it's like, you have Sonic fans that are like, yeah, this is great. It's fun. And I'm like, you guys. Sonic, you, listen, you guys Sonic fan. Like, I keep telling people this. The Sonic fandom hates a game when it comes out. It's just a cycle. <laughs> they a, hate everything. I remember this. There's that meme. They, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like, as time goes on, they think that it's, it's a good game. And there's hype for it and everything like that. Yeah. Good example of this. The storybook game. Right. I remember when they came out, everyone trashed those games. And now everyone loves them. Now everybody loves them. Sonic Unleashed. Everyone said this was the worst Sonic game in the world. And everyone loves it now. Those cutscenes do not deserve the level of animation they have. I liked Sonic Unleashed. Like, I you were one of the few people who liked it. Yeah, because like Werewolf Sonic was a cool thing. Then there's like Sonic 06. Well, that game is trash. No, the game is absolutely horrible. I don't know how anyone could think that that was a good game. But people enjoy the characters that came out of that game. Why? People, people enjoy Silver. This is Sonic fans we're talking about. I know people who have fond memories of Shadow the Hedgehog. The only game that gave the black Sonic a gun. <laughs> Oh, and the thing is, though, like, uh, Sonic Frontiers has I, so I, much lore. <laughs> I think that the open world direction is where it needs to go just to have you zip around and be fast and do what you want. The, I like I like the boss everywhere. fights. I think the boss Some fights of the boss fights were OK. No, like um, I like the idea of the boss fights. That's what I'm saying. Another one that was really super disappointing for me was the Callisto Protocol. And you mean the fighting game? What? 
Someone showed that you can use FGC fundamentals to make it through that game. In terms of the dodge mechanic, yes. In terms of the, not just the dodge mechanic, but like, just in terms of also the frame rate at times. Oh, God. It's like, hey, this is a 2D fighter. I'm like, that's, that's not how the game's supposed to be played, but go for it. That's funny. Um, so the Callisto Protocol, positives. Let me get the positives out of the way first. Fantastic looking game. It is truly one of the games that goes, whoa, this is next gen. Like, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Like, uh, the main character is played by Josh Duhamel, and, like, it literally looks like Josh Duhamel. Like, in that same vein, Scorn also disappointed me to an extent. Okay. Because the trailer showed all the combat and everything. But then when you have to play the game, it's actually just a walking puzzle. Which uh, game? Scorn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scorn was bad. I didn't like that game. I, no, I liked it when I realized what it actually was. Okay. Because at first I'm like, you know what? I'll play it because it's it's this, you know, it's supposed to be shooty kind of game. And I said, I was like, wait, there's no real combat in this game. Wait, I actually like this a bit more. <laughs> yes, let me explore this horrific world that will give me nightmares for the rest of the year. <laughs> so, Coastal Protocol looks amazing. Um, the design in the game, like in terms of like, but the, the actual graphics, combat, the actual like level design, yeah, fantastic. The writing, the writing. Is terribly cliched. Like if you it's watch, alien. yeah. But like if you, <laughs> if you look at if you if I were to tell you, hey, uh, this game is about a you. This main character crash lands on a prison colony in space, and there are horrific monsters in this prison colony. Starcraft Red War. Guarantee you, whatever you're thinking right now, the story is you're right. <laughs> Starcraft Red War. Um, <laughs> so Alien 3. Doom, yes, Mario. <laughs> Alien <Yes>. 3. Um, <laughs> Predator versus Alien, technically. Sure, yeah. That, that, think, whatever you're thinking, <laughs> it's in that game. Yeah. Uh, so like, it was just like a cliched sci-fi rip-off story, and that kind of disappointed me. I hated the combat. The dodge mechanic is absolutely trash. I I want to know, like, your normal weapon is this baton where you can beat yeah. them. But the whole thing is, is you got to play, like, this game of whack-a-mole with the dodge mechanic, wait for the opening, and then go, and I'm like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this. I want to be able to shoot them. Right out to the lingering sense of disappointment and possible future requests for director's cut. Yes. You know what's funny? We a lot of people are asking for a Callisto Protocol director's cut. The PC version requires like, like I don't know why. Like I played it on PC and I sat here. I'm just like, look at my PC. I'm like, are you dying? I'm like, are you dying? I had to pull up like I had to launch Star Citizen and that ran better than Callisto Protocol. And I sat here. I'm like, okay, so it's not my PC. Is it the hard drive? Wow. Ran a bunch of other games. I'm like, no, this game just runs terribly. <laughs> um. So yeah, Callisto Protocol was definitely one of the biggest disappointments this year and it's not a game that released this year because it's a game i continuously play all the time but another disappointment for me has been this year's uh destiny. deliverance of destiny to seasonal content that's fair uh especially this season the last season and this current one i'm just like so burnt out now like this is the first time i actually it's a feel, job it feels like a job it, yeah it's starting to feel like a job and, and they and the thing is they are aware of it because they're like we understand your frustrations 
just give us time while we figure out a new model and whatever. Because they know that they know like, that it feels like a job. It, it feels like a job. And which this I is what I tell them. But like for me, it's like now everyone else. This, will, I've heard the community saying it. I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel that way yet. It doesn't feel that way. This year felt like that. Yeah. I'm like, and, and these last two seasons are why I felt like that. So we had a pirate season, a pirate theme season uh, before this month. Yeah. And the story was really cool. The actual like data work and everything. Week yeah. To week stuff worked. And then like it just ended. And there was like weeks of like nothing. nothing. And I'm just like, hi. Hi. Game. <laughs> Uh, was there an issue at D1 at points? It was. It was. So I felt like we got past that. And now we're, we're creeping back, back into Destiny it. 1 territory. And it, now this new season, uh, we have Rasputin, the AI. Yeah, oh He's God. back. Oh. And they're literally just reusing two other seasons. Assets and content see, and smash them together. See, and I'm playing through this and I'm like, this is lazy. See, here's the thing. This, this is this is where I, oh, and this is why I got mad at Bungie so many times. You had access when you were tied to Activision at the time mm -hmm. to go talk to the World of Warcraft devs, and I don't care what anyone says about World of Warcraft or anything like that. They made a game last this this damn long, mm -hmm. and there's knowledge there, right? Destiny, you're no longer a live service game. You're an MMO. You're an MMO. You're an MMO now. And they are. it's time for you to put in the quality of life features of an MMO yep. that is needed. And th those quality of life features where you might say, oh, but those are pointless. It's like, that's what keeps MMOs going because it gives people a sense of community. Mm -hmm. MMOs are community gardens and community-like theme parks right. that are meant to like entrap you and keep you there. Final Fantasy XIV got that right yep. so well. It's it's really time for them. It's like unlock all your old content. I understand the game might balloon, and then you might just have to go they're, through. They're moving towards that. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just now I'm like starting to feel it. Yeah. Like before, I was like, ah, it's okay. It's it's in a good spot. This was like the first year where like the Witch Queen DLC, the expansion, yeah. fantastic. But all the seasonal stuff that from February when Witch Queen launched, right. after I beat the campaign, I did the new raid. April to now, I've just been like. I'm not really feeling this anymore. Yeah. It's, it's feeling like that's work. about that. So like for Final Fantasy 14, what they do between the big expansions is yeah. they'll drop some story stuff, but it's mostly like, hey, we released a hard raid. Hey, we released a harder raid for you guys. to try. Mm -hmm. Here's a seasonal thing that shows up. Yeah. Here's a this. Here's a that. Yeah. Oh, there's crafting that you guys can yep. work on. Things like that. There are other professions. There are other things other than the combat. And Destiny only has its combat. Yes. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, hey. Why don't you bring back Sparrow Racing as like an actual thing? So the reason why they can't bring back Sparrow Racing is because those racetracks are were designed by Treyarch. That's, I understand the, that. Uh, the files for yeah. that are owned by Treyarch. That's fine. They you couldn't, don't need, they you couldn't don't, buy those back. No, 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 no. That's fine. But they should know how to do something. They should do something with the ships. I guess. Maybe. Ship racing, things like that. Maybe. Give me a casino in the game. <laughs> Ex like, actually expand your world a bit in terms of the day-to-day -day life. Right. I think I think at some point it will get there. It will have to get there, or else people are just going to uh, be People are just going to leave. 
Yeah. Um, and it's funny that like I'm kind of burnt out now. And what I've done to avoid that burnout is I've just been replaying older stuff. So I after I beat God of War Ragnarok, I restarted 2018 God of War. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm actually kind of excited for Diablo 4. I re- I'm replaying Diablo 3 right now. And everyone's like, hey, you want to jump on for uh, a raid? I'm like, okay, I'll do the raid. But like, I haven't, like, normally you have, every day I do yeah. something on Destiny. No, and no, no, I've no. just been staying away. Yeah. So I'm just like, I feel good about staying away. Yeah. Uh, but I am excited for the next DLC, which drops in February, Lightfall. Yeah. So I think that's obviously that's going to be the point in time because there's new stuff. stuff there's new things. stuff, things like that. And um, hopefully they're, they're, they're starting to realize like we're going to have to flesh out the world more than what we yeah, have. I think they will. Like the City of Glass. I would love to actually just be able to have player owned homes in Destiny. <laughs> like think about it. That would be cool. Or the last city or things like that. Like, yeah, give me a place where I can hang up like my achievements and things like that or display certain cool. armors and things like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's going to do it for uh, this week's episode. Again, we're taking off after this, so we will not be live for about three weeks. We will be back in the new year, uh, but stick around and pay attention to all our various social medias and whatnot for our other streams that will still be going on, including our New Year's D activities, which are currently in planning. Uh, Don't know what we have lined up just yet, uh, but... New Year's D is a fun, fun day of streaming. Uh, we'll definitely have something for you, or at least I know I will, uh, for that particular day. For the New uh, Year? Yeah, New Year's Day. Well, we call it New Year's D, which mm-hmm. is Sunday. <laughs> uh, so we have that for you. Uh, after this episode, uh, Joel and RJ are back, and they will finally, finally. It's been two years. They will finally finish Great Ace Attorney. Uh, so look forward to that after this show is off the air. Uh, but as always, you can pay attention to all our other social media channels, especially like our website at digitalearentertainment.com for all our social media links, podcasts, and more. You can also check out our Discord. Uh, links will be dropped in the chat there. Join us on our Discord. Feel free to add me. Let me know what you think about some of the topics we talked on today's show or just in any of the various different topic channels that we have over in our Discord. If you wish to support us, we do have merch over at our Stream Elements shop, streamelements.com slash Digital Era Entertainment. Uh, we have our D hoodies, our D tank tops. We have our D mugs for your beverage of choice. Uh, that beverage can maybe be something you want to purchase here at the Waypoint Cafe, where we come to you live every week at 65 Ludlow Street here in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, New York City, our home base here for Decode, the podcast you have just been listening to. And also... Big shout outs to uh, our sponsor whose link you can use and use our promo code. If you are an anime fan or know someone who is a fan of anime and you're trying to get that Christmas shopping done, we have a promo code discount ship, which you can use for free ground shipping on all in stock item orders over a hundred dollars. That code has been extended until 2024. Uh, so, but if you're trying to get it in before the holiday season and you want to get somebody, some cool anime paraphernalia, or maybe uh some box sets of a show or figures or whatnot, definitely check out imageanime.com and use that code to save some money on shipping to get them those items just in time for the holiday season. Uh, as always, you can check out our YouTube where our teaser trailer for Coco and Pro is still up and running. Coco and Pro, our wrestling-themed visual novel coming to you from the minds of RJ Parra and the rest of our D-team. Uh, we have that game slowly edging closer to some type of demo completion stay tuned 
it's indie work is hard. Video game design is not easy. Uh, and we're learning that we're learning that as we go through. So, uh, but we appreciate your support and we look forward to, you know, showing you everything once it's, uh, once it's all coming together, uh, definitely stay tuned to our YouTube because our game of the year video will be dropping around the Xmas holiday. Uh, so what did we pick for game of the year? The answer might shock you, you know. Yeah, I didn't. I realized I didn't give my own personal game of the year. The answer is a Plague Tale Requiem, um, <laughs> just because like I love that game came as a surprise for me back in 2019. I fell in love with the studio. I follow all their stuff. Tunic uh, they, is mine. They they, they 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 they've been really nice to me on social media, um, and they uh, they were nice enough to send me the game early. So I really appreciate that. And not just because of that, but like the game is actually just such a glow up. Um and and this is coming from you know I, I loved God of War Ragnarok obviously, um, Tunic is mine. Uh, Tunic was great, yeah, I loved Tunic. Tunic made me remember <laughs> me as a child. Uh, obviously, uh, Vinnie Mac in the chat. His favorite game of 2022 was Vampire Survivors. Uh, all three of these games, whether or not they made our top ten, though, they're gonna have to check out our video. Uh, coming to our YouTube. Uh, in in just about ten days. Yeah, so in ten days. Digital Era Entertainment. Oh boy. We'll present to you Game of the Year. Anyways, that's enough out of me. Stay tuned. RJ and Joel up next. As always, guys, until next year, you've been decoded. <laughs>